To those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, to our members and guests here at Beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God upon which we base our message this morning is the gospel for this morning. You heard it read before in Mark chapter 9. I recall just these words. The child's father cried out at once, I believe, help my lack of faith. In the name of our dear Lord Jesus Christ, in whom we believe and therefore live, my beloved. Dr. Martin Luther once said that the three tenets of biblical Christianity are grace, we are saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ, and by Scripture alone, those three things. I want to talk about faith this morning. And it's a very important topic, and it's so very much often misunderstood. And so we want to clarify what faith is all about this morning. And just as an example, a few houses down from us, on the street where my wife and I live, there's a young man, I think he's in his 40s, and he's battling serious cancer. And uh, when I talked to them one time, and I didn't have time for a uh, big, long theological discussion... His wife said, well, you know, there's nothing more than what we can do than just have faith. You ever hear that expression? Well, I guess you just got to have faith. Which begs the question, faith in what or in whom? Now, the designated gospel for us this morning affords us a look at faith. So let's review St. Mark's account of this demon-possessed boy and his father and the disciples. And the setting of this miracle, first of all, is very important because it occurs the day after Jesus and Peter, James, and John came down from the Mount of Transfiguration. So they had been absent from the other nine disciples, and now they returned. And as they returned to the other nine disciples, they saw that the nine disciples were arguing with the scribes, the men who copied Scripture, the religious leaders of the day, and the crowd. And the subject of the argument is told us by St. Mark. He says, Jesus asked the scribes, what are you arguing about with them, with my disciples? A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son. He is possessed by a spirit that won't let him talk. Whenever the spirit brings on a seizure, it throws him to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth, grinds his teeth, and becomes exhausted. I asked your disciples to force the spirit out, but they didn't have the power to do it. Now, probably the argument that the scribes were having with Jesus' disciples went something like this. Well, you know why you guys couldn't uh, drive this demon out of this boy? Because you're following a false teacher, a church wrecker. And that's why you can't do this stuff. That guy's a fake. So what they were doing is they were putting Jesus down before the crowd and before Jesus' disciples himself. The rest of St. Mark's uh, description of this event goes on to recount Jesus' reaction to the scribes, to the crowd, to the Father, and to Jesus' disciples. To the crowd and and the scribe, Jesus said, You unbelieving generation, 
In other words, he was telling them, you don't have any faith. Then there was a little dialogue between the father. Father said, as far as possible, uh, the father said to Jesus, if it's possible for you, help us. Jesus replied, as far as possibilities go, everything is possible for the person who believes. And then the father replied by saying, Lord, I believe, help my lack of faith. And you have to understand that dialogue. Jesus was not telling the man that if he had a stronger faith, that then he would be able to heal his son. No, the father was coming back admitting, I have weak faith, but I'm looking to you to heal my son in spite of it. But nevertheless, we would have to say that the man had a weak faith. And then there were the disciples who later on told Jesus, well, how come we couldn't force the demon out? And then Jesus had to tell them, sometimes that that can happen only by prayers. In other words, you were trusting too much in yourself and not in me who gave you that power. The crowd, the scribes, had no faith. The father and the disciples had weak faith. Jesus is concerned about faith. So let's ask ourselves this morning that exactly what is faith? Well, If you ever want any description of faith, where do you go? Holy Scripture itself. Hebrews 11 tells us, Whoever goes to God must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Faith believes that God exists. In other words, when it comes to the matter of faith, there are no atheists, there are no agnostics who say, well, you know, God might be real, and then again, maybe he's not real. Did you ever think about that? No matter what the atheist or the agnostic believes, it doesn't change reality. God still exists, even if people don't believe in him. But, Hebrews says, those who come must believe he exists. Faith is important. The book of Hebrews goes on and says, no one can please God without faith. What that means is if you happen to be a multi-billionaire and you wanted to give a million dollars to beautiful Savior Lutheran Church to help them along, but you did that without faith, it doesn't please God. On the other hand, if a little child here in, the, in uh, church this morning with faith in their hearts puts a nickel into the offering plate, God is pleased by that because it is done with faith. Faith is important. St. Mark tells, the Gospel of St. Mark tells us, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned, Jesus said. Believing in Jesus leads to eternal life. Unbelief leads to eternal death. Faith is important. Hebrews also tells us, faith assures us of things we expect and convinces us of the existence of things we cannot see. Faith convinces us that God created the world through his word. This means what can be seen was made by something that could not be seen. And so now we come to Pastor Robbie's definition of faith, which my Tuesday morning Bible class knows by heart. Faith is the God-given human ability to accept and trust in the invisible gifts of God. Now, I think there's no better way of describing Christian faith than this little fictitious story. 
Christmas time, a lot of times you get Christmas cards. Did you uh, ever get a Christmas card that has that um, beautiful Victorian home in the inside of the home at Christmas with this big, huge tree that goes way up to the ceiling? And, uh, and it's all decorated really nice in there, and there's packages all around the tree. Imagine that a father and his nine-year-old child is there. And the father says to the child, It's time, Merry Christmas, come and get your Christmas presents. But there's only one problem. The child is in a wheelchair. The child is a quadriplegic. He or she can't move his hand, his arms or his legs to get to come and take the presents. But then something really wonderful happens. The father goes over to the child, puts his hand on the child, and immediately the child's arms and legs are healed. The ch- child stands up and comes and gets the Christmas presents. He can walk and move and runs over to his father to get the presents, wraps his arm around his father, thanking him not only for the presents, but also for the ability to receive them. Faith and ability given and received and love exchanged, and that's faith. So let's review faith piece by piece. Faith is a human ability that means it's something that you do. I can stand here this morning and say, I believe in Jesus Christ. The thing is that the ability is given to you by God. Did you ever think about it? None of us here has the exact same abilities that another person in our congregation has. We're all different. Uh, Dan has wonderful musical abilities. Some of us might be tone deaf. I remember sitting next to my father-in-law in church, couldn't sing a note, sometimes threw you off of the hymns. Some of us are very athletic. Some of us trip over our feet. All our abilities are given to us by God. You do what you do because of the gifts given to you. When it comes to our faith, not one of us has the ability to respond to God on our own. St. Paul says, you were once dead because of your failures and sin. In other words, we were all born spiritual corpses, unable to respond to God. And maybe you heard me say it before, a a facetious example, but I've uh, officiated at many, many funerals. And there is not one funeral where I could go up to the corpse in the casket and say, Mr. Smith, get up! And there's going to be any response. No power to respond. That's how we are all when we are born. Faith is a God-given ability to respond. St. Paul says, God's love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Secondly, faith is our God-given human ability to trust and accept the invisible gifts of God. And what is faith and what is trust? It's the confidence that everything is going to be all right even when it doesn't seem to be. Did you ever go to bed at night after a perfect day? Everything was absolutely wonderful. Maybe it was your birthday party or your graduation party and a family was around and you ate good food and there was good conversation and everything did make, made you so happy and when you uh, went to bed you, you went to bed with a smile on your face. Nothing could bother you. 
That's the sort of the kind of peace that God wants us to have through faith, trusting in him that everything's all right now. Way, 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 way back, a long time ago when I was 21 young years old, my wife and I worked up in Door County. She worked in Ephraim as a waitress. I worked at, uh, in Fish Creek as a motel manager. And one weekend, my parents decided to come up and uh, visit us. And um, so we were playing cards late one evening, and it was time to take my wife back to her dorm in uh, Ephraim. And on my way back, I was hit head-on by a drunk driver. The front end of my car was accordioned in. I don't know why I lived. Maybe God wanted me around for this very day. Uh, But who, lo and behold, I was able to call to pick me up. My dad was there. My dad picked me up. We drove into Sturgeon Bay. I was stitched up. He stayed there the whole time, drove me back to our cabin, and then stayed there to secure a new car so that I have something to drive while I was there. And the whole time everything was going on, there was sort of an unusual feeling of peace that I had. And you know why? Because everything was going to be okay because my father was there. And that's trust. And that's faith. An example of perfect trust are the words that Jesus spoke through the prophet Isaiah this morning when he was looking forward to his uh, humiliation for us. Jesus said, I will not turn my face away from those who humiliate me and spit on me. The Almighty Lord helps me. I'm trusting in my Father that everything's going to be okay. Then faith is the God-given human ability to trust in the invisible gifts of God. Never never notice how uh, we take all the visible things in our life for granted? This pulpit is real. I can knock on it. Wearing a real cross can touch it. Here's green stole, can touch it, feel it. A lot of things in our life, though, that we take for granted that are completely invisible. Live with it every day. Air that you're breathing right now. How about time? You ever see time? Except looking at your watch for a few seconds. How about the future? How about the past? How about words? You know, there's no alphabet coming out of my mouth as I'm talking right now. It's sort of invisible. How about love? How about truth? How about forgiveness? All invisible things. We can see their results, but you can't see them with the human eye. Faith is the God-given human ability to trust in and accept the invisible gifts of God. What might they be? Why, none other than God himself. St. John says, no one has ever seen God. God's only son, the one who is closest to the Father's heart, has made him known. St. Paul said, worship and glory belong forever to the eternal king, the immortal, invisible, and only God. No one has ever seen God. The closest that anybody got to actually seeing God was that uh, pillar of smoke that led them in the wilderness. One time Moses asked if he could see God's face. God said, no, I'll never show you my face because if I do, you'll kill you. So he had to walk backwards past Moses. No one has ever seen God. To us, God is invisible. Even the history of Scripture. Were you there at Jesus' resurrection? Were you there when Jesus died? were Were you there when Jesus removed the demon from this little boy? St. Peter says, although you have never seen Christ, you love him. You don't see him now, but you believe in him. 
Any other invisible gifts that God gives us? Of course, his holy angels sitting right next to you this morning, protecting you. Faith is the God-given human ability to accept and trust in all the invisible gifts of God. I remember uh, when I was a little kid, uh, probably three, four years old. It's amazing how some of that stuff sticks in your uh, mind. (coughs) My dad and I would play a game once in a while. It was called Jump Off the Porch Into Your Dad's Arms. Except there was one little catch. I had to close my eyes while I was doing it. And so you close your eyes and uh, you jump. And uh, what it is, is it's an illustration that uh, faith isn't just a leap, uh, a leap of faith into thin air, hoping that somebody's going to be there. Whenever we played that little game, I could hear my dad's voice. He says, okay, I'm right here. Every time I jumped, he caught me. But nevertheless, it was a little scary. It's sort of like life, isn't it? Sometimes not just a little scary, sometimes downright terrifying. You go into the doctor's office and he says, I'm sorry to tell you, but you have... (coughs) Go into the boss's office, I'm sorry, we're downsizing... No money. It's just not there. You know what I mean. During those times, did you ever have any doubts whether or not God was there? Well, then join the club because you're not alone. You're in the company of Jesus' disciples and the father of the demon-possessed boy (laughs) and Elijah hid in a cave. And Moses cowered before the burning bush. And Thomas doubted and Job speculated. Have you ever really had any doubts as to whether or not he was really there? Thanks be to God that even your doubts can't make him go away. St. Paul says, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful because he cannot be untrue to himself. In Romans, he says, what if some of them were unfaithful? Can their unfaithfulness cancel God's faithfulness? And of course, the answer is no. Way, way back when, my wife's dear sainted mother-in-law, grandmother, uh, actually grandmother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law, my wife's grandmother, when she was alive, she was a pastor's wife, by the way, And every once in a while, she used to say, you know, I don't know if I really have enough faith to be saved. I think sometimes that thinking is on the minds of a lot of people. Sort of brings to mind that little illustration in Herman Guckel's uh, uh, devotion booklet about the little girl and her father walking in the snow in the winter. And every once in a while, they'd hit a patch of ice and she'd fall down. (laughs) <laughs> and then they walk a little further, and she hit a patch of ice, and she fell down, so she grabbed onto her father's hand. And they walked a little further, and they hit another patch of ice, and she fell down, and finally she said, No, Daddy, you hold my hand. You see, when it comes to a matter of faith, we don't grab onto God. He grabs onto us and holds us. And besides all that, if you're ever concerned about do you have strong enough faith, or is your faith weak, you're in pretty good shape. Because unbelievers never worry about it. 
believers do. The disciples said, Lord, increase our faith. The father pleaded, Lord, I believe. Help my lack of faith. So now that you know what faith is and how it works, aren't you glad that you have it by God's grace? Trusting in the holy, invisible trinity and the son who died for you who offers us full and free forgiveness, that wonderful invisible declaration of not guilty of all sins. To maintain your faith, you know, there's really only one thing that you can do. Just continue to listen to God's voice. The ability to trust and accept the invisible gifts of God Continue if you pursue life's most important activity. And it's not watching the Packer game. Life's most important activity is to sit at the feet of Jesus and just listen. It's the one thing needful. And then, each day when you do that, pray, Lord, increase my faith. Lord, I believe. Help my lack of faith. And he can, and he will, and he does. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith this morning uh, with Luther's words, uh, his explanation to the third article of the Apostles' Creed. Please join me. I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. In the same way, he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth, and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one true faith. In this Christian church, he daily and richly forgives all my sins and the sins of all believers. On the last day, he will raise me and all the dead and give eternal life to me and all believers in Christ. This is most certainly true. We take this time to gather our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards. Yeah. <laughs>